0: People are freaking out over Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearing. There's been dozens of arrests, and there's been interruptions happening about every 15 minutes throughout this hearing this week.
1: We're talking sports, Colin Kaepernick, and breaking down week one of college and pro football.
0: And of course, we're going to crown our problematic woman of the week. All that and more on this week's edition of Problematic
1: Women. Welcome to Problematic Woman, a podcast and Facebook live show that showcases strong conservative women, current events, and the hypocrisy of the feminist left.
0: I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Bree Payton, friend of the Daily Signal and staff writer over at thefederalist.com. So we have a great show for you today. We have a lot to unpack. Lauren, tell us what the top story is.
1: Uh, it's definitely Kavanaugh. If let's say you've been living under a rock. Which some people do. I mean, more power to you. Uh If you haven't heard, Brett Kavanaugh was nominated by President Trump and is going through his confirmation hearings. Uh, He's in front of the Judicial Committee, correct?
0: Senate Judiciary. Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, And people have a lot of opinions. Yes. So people have been freaking out. We've been informed that everyone will die if Brett Kavanaugh becomes the next Supreme Court justice to replace Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court. A lot of people have been standing up about every 15 minutes in the Senate Judiciary hearing, yelling all these crazy things, getting arrested. There's people dressed up in insane crazy outfits that we can't even talk about on the show because they're so explicit, so crazy, and so out there. So the Women's March has made it their point um, to organize like this really big protest. And as of the time of this recording, approximately 70 people oh have been arrested God, 70 people yeah and the women's march is taking credit for all of this and so they've been tweeting out with hashtags cancel kavanaugh hashtag brett which is like <laughs> boy bye but it's their trying to be clever version of that uh anyway so while all these protests have been going on yesterday senator ben sass had a couple of minutes, and his opening remarks were actually put into an op-ed that you can read over at the Wall Street Journal in which he complains about Congress delegating a lot of its powers to uh, the Supreme Court and to the executive branch, Uh, and that's the reason why, you know, we are seeing so much uproar about who's the next, you know, person to sit on the bench when it it really shouldn't be that way. It's a pretty good op-ed. I would go over and check it out. Anyway, so while he is talking... He keeps getting interrupted, right? And so he says something along the lines of, you know, makes a joke like, oh, it's a tradition to have women screaming every 30 seconds. And someone, a senior correspondent over at New York Magazine, totally freaked out. Her name is Erin Carmen. And she tweets about, you know, where is this hysteria coming from? She is saying in response to Sasse's tweet. Um, and she really takes objection to this use of the word hysteria. And talks about the fact that women were institutionalized a hundred years ago because they were, you know, diagnosed with hysteria and things like that. So basically, she's saying that Ben Sass being frustrated at protesters <laughs> interrupting the hearings, which by the way, a lot of men were arrested too, which we're gonna talk about, these male allies in just a second. Um, anyway, so she is super upset and saying that this is akin to the abuses in our mental health institutions 100 years ago that resulted in women being institutionalized for hysteria. So I think that's hysterical in and of itself. Yeah, ooh. What do you think about all this?
1: So out of the 70 people arrested for interrupting, who do you think was the first person?
0: Linda Sarsour. Ding, 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 ding. Brie won the prize. Linda Sarsour won the prize because I was watching (laughs) and I saw it happen.
1: uh, uh, Linda Sarsour uh, famed for kind of starting the Women's March. She wasn't the first one, but she she signed on early. Um, Basically, any crazy story with the Women's March, Linda Sarsour's face is front and center. Um, But in the magazine The Cut, Shauna Thomas, the executive director and co-founder of the women's advocacy group Ultraviolet, tells... That when Linda Sarsour first entered the hearing room with a group of 22 other members of the public, she felt like she was walking in a funeral procession. She described the room as very somber and quiet in a negative way. But through the energy, it quickly shifted after Muslim activist Linda Sarsour became the first protester to get up from her seat, calling to adjourn the meeting. So I just love that, that this, like, normal run-of-the-mill confirmation hearing was a funeral and it felt somber and it wasn't until- because we're all gonna die <laughs> we're all gonna die i yes. mean tax cuts gonna die yeah net neutrality gonna die we're gonna die brett kavanaugh gonna die but it's only when linda sarsour the great hope she stood up and called to cancel the hearing
0: yeah because it is literal handmaids tell lauren in case you didn't know and she's one of the few brave ones yeah. that's willing to stand <laughs> up and stop handmaid's tale from happening and coming to real life obviously all this is a huge overreaction but just really quickly every time I hear the word male allies it makes me like want to throw up a little bit and I don't know why I've tried to think about like why I hate that term so much can't put my finger on it but it's gross and I think that we should cancel instead of canceling Kavanaugh we should cancel Cancel. the term allies just make it stop
1: because men are our allies we don't have to single them out. Like, okay, that man is my ally and that man is my enemy. Like, men and women should li- just live together and just.
0: That's probably empower why. One another. Yeah, yeah, that's probably. You have that's a good point yeah. there.
1: Uh, so, next, we're going to toss to our, my colleague at the Daily Signal, Genevieve Wood. She has a new video coming out about three reasons why she thinks that we should cancel these confirmation hearings altogether.
2: I think it's time to seriously consider getting rid of these hearings for Supreme Court nominees. The Constitution doesn't require a hearing. All it says is that the Senate must give advice and consent. You can do that with a simple up or down vote. And let's be real. Do we really think one senator's vote is going to be changed after these four days of hearings? Here are three examples of why I think these hearings have become useless. Number one. Senators are asking both unanswerable and frankly non-germane questions. Senator Feinstein wants to know what he thinks about guns and the Second Amendment. He's not gonna answer that. Senator Blumenthal wants to talk about abortion and how he would rule in abortion cases. He's not going to answer that. And Senator Ted Cruz wants to know what he's learned from being his daughter's basketball coach. It's a nice question, but is it really germane? Number two, these hearings have become nothing but political grandstanding for political bases. On day one, you've got the outrage playoffs between Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, seeing who can interrupt the most. On day two, you have Senator Schumer going to the Senate floor using a rule no one ever uses to shut down the hearing. What happened? Senator McConnell simply shut down the entire Senate, letting the hearing go on, which means the hearings continued, but the rest of the Senate did nothing. On day three, even though we already have 500,000 documents related to Kavanaugh's past record, more than the five past nominees combined, Democrats in the Senate want even more records. Do we really think they're gonna read them? And three, these hearings have become a circus, a theater, a fiasco, whatever you wanna call it. On day one alone, 70 protesters were removed from the hearing room. On day two, on average, a protester was removed every single minute. And that's just what's happening inside the hearing room. Outside, you have people dressed in costumes, you have people playing guitars, you get the idea. It's time to put an end to this whole political charade. It is full of sound and fury, but is accomplishing nothing. And it's wasting both the Senate's time and our taxpayer dollars. So Bree, this next story is kind of
1: sad in more ways than one. Uh, Cosby Show star Elvin Thibodeau uh, he was a husband of one of the Huxville daughters on the show. He was spotted. I mean, I don't even know if you can believe what he was doing. He was working at Trader Joe's. And people just flipped out. And kind of the sad part of this story is, and that was that was sarcasm for those who don't get it, He, this was the guy. It's hard to be an actor. It's especially hard to find regular work as an actor. And he was working hard to support his family at Trader Joe's. People found out. People quote unquote work shamed him on Twitter uh, and he was actually forced to quit over this. He says he hasn't worked 10 months since the end of the Cosby show, which had to have been the early 90s when that show was over. So kind of shame on everybody uh, except for Elvin Thibodeau for kind of making a big deal. You know, next time you see a a former star in the grocery store working, just kind of give him a pat on the back for supporting his family.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think also I didn't realize until we sat down to talk about this on the show that he actually ended up having to quit about this. Obviously, I saw all of the controversy, all of the outrage over him working at Trader Joe's, which is apparently, oh my gosh, the horror <laughs> of bagging and checking out groceries. But anyway, so he's doing this job, like normal job, Gets shamed about it. I had no idea that he was forced to quit. Was it because, like, people just were coming in the store and kind of swarming him? I think he just
1: wasn't comfortable with, like, the hubbub around it
0: that he just, you know. Yeah, makes sense. He's been doing wall-to-wall interviews. I saw a clip of him talking to Anderson Cooper about all of this. And I think that his attitude about all of this just throughout this whole experience has been very, like, gracious And so I I think we're going to have to applaud him and say that, you know, definitely going through all of that with a smile on your face and drawing attention to the fact that having a normal job is a good thing. Good thing. Keep it up.
1: And out of every grocery store to work at, I think Trader Joe's would be my favorite. They're always having fun and ringing
0: bells. and It's true. They have fun outfits and you get free samples. yeah It's not a bad place. They have free wine samples also. Wow. Which is also, I mean, count me in. So we're going to take a really quick break. Don't go away. And we're going to come back with a brand new segment. Don't go away. And we're back with our brand new segment of ours called Sports Stuff. Sports Stuff. Sports Stuff. So sports is for women, too. Okay? And Lauren, if you, for those of you who don't know... Lauren's a huge football fan. A huge football fan. Huge, huge, huge. So tell us about this new segment and what we're going to be doing. So it's called Sports Stuff. uh, And I'm really excited because
1: this segment is just not for the women out there who love sports, which I know there's a lot of us out there, and we're doing this for you, but also for women who don't like sports. Like me.
0: Who are in situations where sometimes they have to talk
1: about it. Yes,
0: or have boyfriends. His last fantasy draft was last night, by the way. Uh Told me at the beginning of the week, Bree, I have four fantasy drafts this coming mean week. I'm in four leagues this year. It's going to be really busy. We're not going to see a lot of each other this week. So this is last night he wrapped up his last one. Anytime we're hanging out with his friends, they just talk about sports all the time. So this will be good for me to know a few things going on in the sports world that I can bring up and seem cool to his friends. See? Relationships are about sacrifices, Bray. Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, so take take it away. Okay, so probably besides Kavanaugh, the biggest story of the week was this Nike campaign. Uh, So for those who don't know, Colin Kaepernick, he was on the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, He had one pretty good season. After that, he didn't have very many good seasons. He was made backup quarterback, and then he kind of got famous through uh, kneeling for the national anthem. Nike this week made him the face of their campaign. And it's kind of his face, black and white, on this poster. And it says, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Hashtag, just do it. So, as you can expect, people had a lot of opinions. The left was like, if you hate this ad, you're racist. The right was like, if you like this ad, you hate America. Sabri, kind of give us your take on it.
0: Sure. So in the actual, so, uh, Nike just released the actual like so ad, the video app the yeah. that they're going to be playing in like during football, uh, games this next coming week. And it features a lot of people like with disabilities in sports or just that overcame different circumstances and, and things like that. Um, like Serena Williams overcoming her own circumstances Um, that guy in the NFL who only has one hand, different people like this who've done awesome things. And then all of a sudden it clips to Colin Kaepernick and it's like, okay, one of these things is not like all of the other things in this equation. Let's be clear. Like, you know, he was, he made millions and millions of dollars playing in the NFL, um, didn't get re-signed again in part because of his decision to protest, but also because he just wasn't that great of a player anymore so and like he sacrificed everything and then got this massive nike deal so i guess i'm not really seeing where the sacrifice is in all of this uh and i don't really see yeah i just don't really see like where the sacrifice or where like the big trial and big struggle is like the other people featured in this ad i think if you just took his role his little like scene out of the ad it would be overall a good campaign um, but anyway, I just think overall, like it's clear that Americans aren't responding well to this ad. I wrote a piece this morning at the federalist.com morning consult crunched some numbers. And it turns out that Americans don't like Nike anymore. Uh, they asked people, you know, how likely are you to buy Nike products be- ver- before versus after an overall 10% drop in the number of people who said they would go out and purchase Nike products. And The overall favorability ratings are down, I think something, I think it's 35% if I'm remembering my own piece that I wrote this morning, but you can double check my numbers over at thefederalist.com. And the numbers overall are down among every single demographic of Americans that they surveyed, right? So this is among African Americans, down. Among millennials, down. Among Republicans, down way 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 down like 75 points down oh among democrats yeah it's even down it's only like 12 points among democrats but anyway the point is among every single demographic of people overall everyone just hates it so if i'm nike and my job is to sell nike stuff um and you know last year there was polls about espn from espn about fewer people watching nfl games because of the nfl the anthem the protest, kneeling protests yeah. Like, I would just look at that as a business decision and say people hated that. They hated that movement. They don't like Colin Kaepernick. Like, I'm not going to integrate my product with Kaepernick, which is associated with something that people don't like. Like, that just doesn't make sense from a business perspective. And I think that this just reveals a lot about corporate America, right? That people running Nike are, for whatever reason, so far insulated from, like, reality that they thought that this would be a good campaign. Yeah, not all press is good press. Yeah, and that's definitely what we're learning in this yeah. case. But you had an interesting theory earlier. So I think they, were, they did it a lot just to get a kind of a
1: reaction out of Trump, and they thought that would get them a lot of free press because, I mean, Trump has never been silent on these anthem protests. Uh, but I also think it's sad. You know, as, as someone who loves football, I go to a lot of football watch parties. I go to a lot of football games. And I can't tell you one person that I've watched football with what their politics is and what their stance is in Kaepernick. Like, we go to the games. We have a shared experience of loving the game, supporting our team. And it's sad that Nike's trying to bring this political divide into football, one of the last places really in the country that we have that it doesn't matter what color, what age, no, you know, your socioeconomic background – like you're coming together behind something.
0: And that was also kind of the point of the ad, too, that it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic backgrounds are. It doesn't matter what kind of disabilities that you might have. You can overcome and you can become really good in sports. So I think like that message and then weirdly just Kaepernick shoved in the middle of that ad, like overall, doesn't really make sense as a message. It's
1: like counterintuitive. Um, But I do want to bring up real quick, Bree mentioned it briefly, the... UCF player who was one-handed, who is now in the Seahawks. His name is Shaquem Griffin. I can't come on Problematic Women without talking about (laughs) Shaquem Griffin. Uh, But his poster said, who would ever think a kid like me would go pro? And then the next line says, me. Which kind of gives me goosebumps when I think about it. He's this guy who has one hand. He was told, he basically only played college ball because his brother was really good. He was told he would never go in the NFL draft. He was drafted, I think, in the sixth round. He was told he was never going to start. It it was just announced yesterday that he's going to start for the Seattle Seattle Seahawks. So there are so many people in college football like Shaquem who are good influences. Like He does a lot. He hangs out with other um, amputated youths to show them that they can do. He works with his brother to show, you know, work as a family. There's so many good examples. Why would they pick Kaepernick? Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. So, so break down what happened in football this past week.
1: Okay, and Brie, I'll make it quick for you. Okay. Um, so it was a big week. It was week one in college football. For those who don't know, there's usually a couple big games, and then there's mostly cupcake games. So I'm going to skip cupcake over. Cupcake games? Cupcake. There's no cupcakes involved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, these are kind of games where it just teams are not matched because the teams kind of just want to warm up for the season. Um, the big games were Maryland and Texas – Texas was supposed to be back, hook them. Um, Texas was not back. They got beat up by Maryland. Uh, Maryland, unfortunately, is on their backup coach. That was a big game. Um, LSU and Miami, that was another thing. Like, this was supposed to be Miami's year. LSU was ranked number 25, way down. LSU came up and whooped on them. I don't think Miami was ever up at all in that game. Uh, Probably the biggest game of the weekend, again, I say sarcastically, was the UCF. UConn game, again, I'm a big homer. Uh, That is known as the Civil Conflict. Uh, UCF came, and I don't even know if UConn got more than, like, three or four first downs. Uh, And then the most recent game was Virginia Tech and Florida State on Monday night. That was very exciting because, again, it was supposed to be Florida State's year. They have this new coach. Virginia Tech was just supposed to be okay. Okay. I think for about a quarter of this game, there was no positive yardage, which means that they actually like moved the ball forward. They literally would just like step back and get tackled, and step back and get tackled. So,
0: okay, can I ask you a question? I would love that. How how does the t- how do the TV networks decide which games they're gonna broadcast and which ones they don't? Because like there's million not millions there's but hundreds a hundred. of colleges. Yeah. yeah. So which ones get broadcast? Is it just the really, really good ones, and how is that determined?
1: So there's 126 teams in the FBS, which okay. is Division One football. Okay. And so they're all in conferences. There's 10 conferences divided into two. So there's the Power Five and the Group of Five. And so each conference has a separate TV deal. So like one conference might have a TV deal with ABC, ESPN, that they're going to have, you know, their best game on ESPN in prime time, uh, their second to best game can be optioned as CBS. So it's kind of between these like little conferences. Um, So that's where a lot of people are like, there's almost monopoly in college football that if you're not in this power five conference, you're not, you know, UCF I think it's about between two and $4 million in TV money every year. And these bigger schools get $40 million every year. Wow. So. Wow, that's, that's kind of unfair.
0: Well, thank you for answering my question. Of Wait, course. tell us what happens this coming week.
1: Okay, so if there that was enough football for you, one more. T- the NFL kickoff is tonight. The 2017 almost Super Bowl winning team, the Atlanta Falcons, almost, and our defending Super Bowl champions, the Eagles, play tonight in Philadelphia. You can catch that on NBC. Uh, I would expect a close game. Um, I think the line right now is at negative one, which means Philadelphia is expected to win by one point. Um, but I think the Eagles, they did not lose many players, uh, and they're going to pull it out. So check it out. Uh, Lauren Evans, please send any football questions. I want to get as much football on the show with Kelsey and Bree. All
0: right. You could probably also expect riots following the game because that's what Philly likes to do. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to crown our problematic woman of the week. And we're back, and it's time to crown our problematic woman of the week. So, this week, our problematic woman is Zena Bash, who works for Kavanaugh, sitting behind him during the confirmation hearings this week. Um, so, she kicked up quite a stir because while she was sitting there, the Senate confirmation hearing, she had her arms crossed. How dare she? And I think my theory is that she was picking something on her arm or scratching herself or something. Anyway. While she was sitting there, her hands, her finger and her thumb and index finger attached to one another. And a lot of people thought that she was flashing the white power symbol. Don't do it. And she
1: held it for like 30 seconds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you watch the footage, she's just sitting there, kind of scratching herself, and then makes this gesture, which some say is the white power symbol, and then melds into like more normal yeah. hand arm crossing scenario.
1: Anyway. And, and for those watching or listening at home, the white power symbol. Supposed white power symbol is kind of like an OK sign, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it kind of
0: looks like that. Yeah, so
1: it would not be hard just to kind of rest on your arm not thinking.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so everyone started to freak out, saying that she is a white nationalist, all these crazy things. Igles Shapiro over at The Federalist, who's a friend of Bash, tweeted out explaining that she is half Mexican and half Jewish. So white power theory smashed to pieces. Uh, But anyway, this kicked up quite a stir, and there was actually a lot of tweets going on. So this tweet, for example, got retweeted actually 15,000 times. So I'm just going to read this to you. Kavanaugh's former law clerk, Zina Bash, is flashing the white power sign behind him during his Senate confirmation hearing. They literally want to bring the white supremacy to the Supreme Court. What a national outrage and disgrace to the rule of law. So this is where people were at this week. It was cranked up to level 11. Um, I think this tweet and this controversy just kind of wraps everything up that we've been seeing from the left about Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. I mean, some of the protesters were drug out screaming, don't end health care. Because so that way healthcare. healthcare will just come to an yeah. end. There will be no more hospitals. No more doctors. Nothing if Brett Kavanaugh is yeah. nominated to the Supreme Court. So this is where people's heads were this week. And I think that you know, it's just important to whenever there's just this level of outrage, just remember that some people, this is where their heads are at. Well, and these are supposed to be the quote
1: unquote women's march. I mean, this is a distinguished woman. She was an attorney. She was a former clerk of Judge Kavanaugh's. And she literally- You're was, talking about Zena Bash now. Yeah, Zena Bash. I'm sorry. Zena Bash, uh, she's an attorney, and they didn't even give her the benefit of the doubt for a half second. It was, she She flashed the sign, she's a white supremacist. Not, she flashed the sign, she was probably itching her arm. Yeah. yeah. Quote, unquote, women's
0: march. Yeah. Oh, the fact that the Women's March would, like, turn around and attack another woman yeah. just immediately. Yeah, I mean, there's such a double standard there, such a hypocrisy. It's clear that this really isn't about elevating women. And if it was about that, then they should be happy about Brad Kavanaugh, right? There was a significant exchange between him, um, and I think, I want to say it was Lindsey Graham yesterday, um, where they were just talking about his track record of hiring women as law clerks, right, and he said specifically that because his mom was an attorney in the 1970s, when a lot of women were not attorneys at that time, and it was mostly a male-dominated field, and the legal field still is, he makes a point to seek out prominent women who maybe are getting sidelined or ignored a little bit in law school and in some of you know these other pipelines that we have for legal minds. So if you are really trying to elevate women and trying to promote women rising to positions of authority and rank and of importance, um, I think that you should be happy that Brett Kavanaugh, that Donald Trump decided to nominate Brett Kavanaugh, who has made a point of elevating women.
1: I could agree with you more, Bri. Uh Zena Bash's husband came out and defended her. He said the attacks today on my wife are repulsive. Everyone tweeting this vicious conspiracy theory should be ashamed of themselves. We weren't even familiar with this hateful symbol being attributed to her for the random way she rested her hand during a long hearing he continues at the end saying some of the twitter comments have even referred to our baby daughter i know that there are good folks on both sides on of the political divide i hope that people will clearly condemn this idiotic and sickening accusation can you imagine they went after their
0: baby daughter yeah that's that's another level over scratching herself or something during this confirmation hearing And not even asking, hey, are you a white nationalist? Is that what you're doing right now? Not even double checking to see, you know, I mean, taking two seconds to talk to a friend, you would have found out that she's half Mexican, half Half Jewish. Jewish.
1: And it's not even an actual white national symbol. It was totally made up by the internet. Like, in a while back, everybody just ran with it. Like, there's no actual history behind this being a white nationalist symbol.
0: Crazy town. Crazy town. But that's where things are at this week. And with that, that wraps up our show. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic woman, please let us know. We always like to get your suggestions. We always like hearing your feedback. You can follow all of my work over at thefederalist.com. And you can follow me also on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. Uh, you can follow my work on
1: The Daily Signal, <laughs> dailysignal.com. You can follow me at Twitter at Lauren Elis Evans.
0: This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalists, and it's produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal, who's Uh, here with us in studio talking today in front of the camera instead of behind it. If you like this podcast, please support us by rating and subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and for supporting strong conservative women who are standing up for America's culture. Uh, Just real quick, Brie. I'd also like to give a shout-out to Thalia Rampersad, part of our
1: all-woman Dream hey, Team. Hey. She, since I'm in the booth today, she's, she's doing the hard work behind the scenes. So, thanks, thanks, Thalia. Thalia.